about to enter a world of pain, suffering, and laughter. Worst gig ever. Oh, worst gig ever. Uh, again, an awful intro to a fantastic episode of the podcast. I am Mike Pace. I am Jeff Garlock. Welcome. Uh, yes, and we've, today we've got uh, Pete Schultz, who you yes. may know as a writer uh, for the Weekend Update segment of Saturday Night Live or SNL, to right. those of you in the know. And yeah, Pete's a great man. Uh, known him forever. Video guy, uh, comedy guy, just all around good dude. And yeah, he's uh, it's. It's a, an enlightening story. Yeah, he's he's definitely a guy that he did the work. He did the work. And he it's put the nose off. to the grindstone. Put his ear to the railroad. And he still he has a little bit of a nub of a knee, of a nose <laughs> left <laughs> at this point. He still looks good. But they hired him anyway, which reminded me of a story about getting my hair cut when I was in seventh grade. Ooh. And I think it should I think it should be noted for the listener that both Jeff and myself have 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 curly hair. Um, Noted. Yeah, Jeff's hair is incredibly curly. My hair is, is thick and wavy, and it gets curly up front. Right now, I have a shorter hair, right. so you don't. Not see easy that. to cut. Not e- no, definitely it's not easy to cut. But um, unless you go high and tight, like I used to. High do. and that's, hey, that's, that's <laughs> luckily for me, my barber only did high and tight. It's a time. It's a timeless <laughs> luck. Your barber was kid of kid in play. Yes, exactly. On the side, Christopher <laughs> Reed. For, the, for uh, those listener. who don't know, uh, so. I remember, you know, I always wanted straight hair. I always, my ideal haircut, I wanted Eddie Furlong's hair from Terminator 2. <laughs> so shitty like, skater dude. Shitty skater. I wanted, I wanted to, to, to grow down long and I could put it in a ponytail, ideally. Sure. Uh, that's my dream genie telling me <laughs> that that dream is never coming true. So, but because when you have thick curly hair, there's really only so much you can do. Right. And right now... Jeff and I pretty much go all natural, I'd yes, say. we just do it with, with, with our hair. Kurt Vonnegut style. Uh, <laughs> give me the Vonnegut. <laughs> just give me a Vonnegut and let when, me get the hell out of when here. When you walk into a barber shop, the generic barber shop, you see like you've got the flat top, you got the crew cut, and you got the Vonnegut. <laughs> We're picking number three. And I remember my, my, my uh, mom took me to a very fancy saloon. Saloon? Salon. That's not the word you use at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he took me to a, this is when I just wanted to style my hair and do stuff with it. Early 90s. Gazay Michaels was the name of the <laughs> salon. It still exists. Uh, in, uh, in, uh, We're sponsored by Gazay Michaels. Gazay Michaels, today, right? yeah. And I remember we my the my uh, the guy cutting my hair was definitely pretty gazay. <laughs> oh, I know he had very long hair, and I wanted to keep it longer at front. And he said, "Okay, well, what you can do, you know, you keep the curls in front, and you can pull them down, like pull them down in front of your eyes <laughs> when all, when you go out." Sounds like a terrible fucking idea. <laughs> and I remember being mortified at the time. Um, I also, I would put money on the fact that I was wearing my Rollins Band uh, t-shirt. Lifetime. Uh, Which one was it? It had the clowns on it. 
and like boxing <laughs> clowns on it. Rollins Band t-shirt. That's a great metaphor, Rollins. There, hey, <laughs> really Hank nailed it on that one. Through. Get in the van. <laughs> Get in the van. <laughs> so, you know what to do. <laughs> so yeah, so I remember the guy pulling the my the curly front of my, a part of my hair up in in front of my face and right. saying, "Wear it like this when you go out with your friends." <laughs> uh, I just to throw it, I remember going to my dad's barber or his stylist, Franco. And doing the same deal with me, but instead, my dad's got the same exact hair, crazy curly. He blew it up in a crazy Afro style. And immediately, I remember putting my glasses back on and going, oh, and throwing my hand on top of my head to smush it down. Basically saying, I don't like your hair. Get out of my face. And you know what? That's, that's a great segue into this uh, classic episode of Worst Gig Ever. Classic. We've got Pete Schultz, Saturday Night Live fame here. You're going to like the way you look when you're listening. (laughs) We look just like that guy. (laughs) Welcome backstage. All right. <laughs> Paul Provenza. Yeah, four sticks. Four. There uh, it is. Green room. Great. Backstage. Green room. Paul Provenza. Fuck that guy. Uh, awesome. Hi, Pete. This Hello. is uh, Pete Schultz. Any relation to Charles M? No. All right. No. Uh, it's different spelling. Interview okay. Good night. over. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see you later. Uh, Not so you had some thoughts on cartoons. Jeff, you told me it was... Uh, well, I yeah, guess I lied. Pete Schultz. Good friend. Currently writer for Weekend Update at SNL. For the listener, Saturday, Saturday Night Live. That is Saturday Night Live. Um, and Those of us in the know refer to <laughs> the little known acronym SNL. I don't want to, you know, throw them off with biz talk, right. but uh, there's a lot of inside baseball yeah. on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. and, and Total IB. So, you know what I'm saying? I can tell you what a lot of that different acronyms mean. Great, great. separating the wheat from the chafe here. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to work out. You well. know what SNL is? You're, you're probably in for a treat. Uh, That's how it works. Leave now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Pete Schultz, writer for Weekend Update and uh, member of Bobby Chicago. Uh, great sketch group and also some musical crisis bureau yeah i uh i had been in another band called bluebeard not the bluebeard from canada Mm -hmm. um when i was in school at villanova and then for a little while after that was just like like a pop punk type band um you know the type of band that ends up playing with weston and jazz june like everybody from that area Um, of course you know, we and uh, so I wanted to keep playing when I went up to film school, right? Um, which I did at BU. So I put this ad up on <laughs> Tony and Pals, um, which was this website I'm sure it no longer exists that was just, um, you know, like a Craigslist for bands or whatever. Right. So uh, I got like 20 different responses. Apparently, there were no bases. Like you had left Boston at this point, <laughs> yeah. so there were no bases. See ya. And left in Boston. Right. Um, so I went and saw a bunch of different bands uh-huh. and just like, you know, just watched them and they sort of auditioned right. for me. But I ended up choosing a bunch of guys that they all went to Tufts, all had good jobs and uh-huh. were like, there was no chance we were going on, on tour at Perfect. any point. So we played, we just played around in the New England area a lot and we tried to get into whatever scene there was, but it was very limited. Right. Right, scene in Boston. Uh, and this was this was uh, mid aughts. Yes, um, I was there from two thousand and two to two thousand and six. Okay. So right. it's that the, I was in that band the whole time. That yeah, right. I was there. Did you guys ever do touring, or did you just do local? Band, just like right? just like local, we went never went never went further than Maine. Right. Um, we played a couple of shows in like Portland. And, right. That area. Uh, did you were did you ever push to be the touring band and then everyone fought back? Or? No. Well, I mean, we definitely had 
designs on it, but at that time, like, people were getting married, and, um, like, one of the guys still plays in a band, but he has, like, he makes a ton of money as, uh, he works in, like, some kind of computer engineering or whatever, does, uh, runs computers for, like, Wall Street traders or something, Uh I don't know, but, uh, he still plays in a band, he, he moved here, actually, he's, uh, he's in a band called Radio Barons. Um, they're like a, uh, <laughs> for the listener, Jeff and I just gave each we other this a sourpuss look. <laughs> yeah. uh, I should know who this band is. They're like, uh, know, they sound like a dinosaur junior. Radio Bowers at myspace.com. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would imagine, I would imagine it's backslash radio. Yes, exactly. But I was looking at crisis bureaus website and Still I noticed it really that is. it's surprising that my band, Oxford Collapse, and your, and your band never crossed paths because we definitely did our time at PA's Lounge. Oh, sure. <laughs> and I was looking at the bands that you guys had played with because I love it when bands list right. the other bands on the bill. And sure enough, there were uh, um, a couple. There was one band, I think they were from Boston, called Lock and Key. Oh, yeah. And there's a band that one of the bands that I went to see what almost ended up being in. Oh, really? Very much a beardcore band. Sounded a lot like hot water music. Well, at the time that we played with them, my band played with them in North Dakota on our first U.S. tour in 2004 outside in a park. And, uh, the end. I don't know. That's (laughs) great. They were fine. They were nice. I I, I liked, I liked, we ended up playing with them like maybe like four or five different times. Uh Um, they, uh, they would get us onto like our our better shows that we play at the Middle East. A lot of times, it was either them or I don't know if you guys remember Shred, the guy that that booked you. Yes, he did the lo- the local show on BCN. And Shred had yeah, he and had, he booked like Middle East. He had a Charles Bronson patch. Yeah, uh, and yeah. Oh, so so Lock and Key were actually a fairly bigger Boston band. Yeah, I think they okay. were on Deep Elm, maybe. Yeah, oh, yeah, that sounds cool. about right. Uh, and so yeah, so so Crisis Bureau played around. Uh, you recorded two EPs. Yeah, uh, or three. We did three. Well, we did two, like a demo and two in two EPs. We did a demo with Kurt from Converge. I was in the band for two weeks when we recorded that. I just had to like, I like met those guys. They had already booked studio time, and I guess they like the guitar player was going to play bass or whatever. But I had to like learn these songs, and which was not far off from what I did with Orchid. Oh yeah, when I joined Orchid, they had already booked. We're like, well, we got we got like two split seven inches coming out. We got like a ten inch, like you gotta learn all these songs like now. Like, yeah. okay. Um and then was with Kurt, my first real recording experience. Yeah, it was I, I found it okay. I found it nerve wracking sure. with with him because he's uh he's so good yeah. at everything. And because he takes his tooth out mm-hmm. the entire time. His fake <laughs> he had, tooth, which he is had, disgusting. Uh, he had just broken his hand uh like on tour in like in Europe or something. So he couldn't play uh guitar or anything or drums, but he was still took time to like tune um you know like tune up the drums for us right. and he uh he let the guitar player play this custom built uh-huh. um it was a like custom built telecaster that he made so he was really he was really cool uh but it was like i found it like nerve-wracking to right be in there after so little practice sure we were, I can't remember the name of the last place that we recorded, but it was just like a, a basement in Cambridge. Like a right. guy ran out of it. Uh, he has a band called Animal Hospital. Okay. Um, I can't remember his name. And then we recorded at Machines with Magnets, which is in Providence. Right. Yes. Uh, so, oh, yes. oh, I was going to yeah. say, you know, the, the, your band did some stuff. What, how, what would you say about the day the music died, a.k.a. when you stopped playing music and started doing 
moving it's, into comedy? Well, it was a weird transition. Like I had been planning to leave Boston for sure. some time. Because it's kind of a terrible place. Mm-hmm. That's why. Yes, that's a, that is probably number one on the list. Number two, like I had been in a relationship for nine years and it came to an abrupt end. Uh, <laughs> a screeching halt. Yes. And, uh, I had a very like, uh, beginning of a screenplay moment, you know, like where I was like left with like nothing and then the city that I didn't like and whatever. And, uh, if you my car was towed, I had to like coach a peewee hockey team or something. <laughs> the, uh, they were scrappy. Yeah. But, uh, they were scrappy. Yes, they the band of misfits, I, they battled I honestly, together. I did coach a, uh, a high school, uh, track and cro- uh, cross country team. What um, would you say? And they had never, they hadn't won a meet in four years and we won a, we won a meet. They were called the Mighty Ducks. Yes. So definitely not the a, Keenan was on it. it was, <laughs> that's how I got into the, not show. a worse gig though. That sounds like a best gig. No, there, <laughs> we, I mean, we had some awful gigs that we played with that right. because we're like, we didn't really, uh, they weren't like the guys in the band weren't like real scenester type right. guys. Oh, I was talking about the hockey team. Oh, the hockey team. <laughs> oh, they had some. Because then you were talking about the important like, stuff. You were talking, Let's talk about the, the hockey team. We you, definitely. The problem is that uh, even though it was Boston, none of them could skate, <laughs> which is very strange. Yeah. 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 You get your town ashamed. And they, I mean, they, they knew why they went to to BU, so they just figured that like I was just like bean pot trophy right. material. Sure. Um, but really, I was just into like pots of beans. Ooh. <laughs> coming up this full guy of beans. eats a lot of beans I do I do they, they call me the bean <laughs> freebie and the bean coming up <laughs> Turner Classic Movies little dusty groove fully lusting um, <laughs> he presented it yeah. alright go ahead so yeah no uh, so getting back to Crisis Bureau so let's give us some shitty shows from that well when we had, were first starting out like we didn't know all that many people so we would just get we, we would just send out emails to whoever and try to get booked sure. on mm-hmm. on shows. So we played a couple of uh, interesting bringer shows. Oh, um, yeah. Show. Well, you didn't. Play, we right? didn't really know that you right. were that you were playing a bringer you show aware necessarily. Of the you got there. Yeah. <laughs> well, and for the listener, yes. I just want to define what F-Y-L. bringer show is. Right. Uh, bringer show. Bringer show is usually more in metal, mm-hmm. but a bringer show is you can get on the show if you bring. People. 20 people, right. 30 people, you gotta sell tickets. Uh, luckily, that's kind of died out. You have to, like, get, when people show up, they have to say, like, who are they here to see? Right, exactly. And then they make me little hash marks by what? it. What? not, what's going on? Here? Is it on? Yeah. You're not hearing me? No, I am. Okay. Perfect. Great. Were you not hearing me before? I was hearing you in the, awesome. in the room. Awesome. Perfect. This is going to be a great hey. one. Um, <laughs> Those Beantown bad boys. Aerosmith <laughs> with Dream On. <laughs> Worst gig ever. Um, so luckily, Bringer shows have kind of died out. Uh, yeah. It, not in comedy. Like, if, yes, you, do, no. if you do stand-up, right. there's, they well, still exist. I remember it keeps me from doing stand-up. In, in music, though, they weren't... I, never, I didn't know them as Bringer shows as much as pl- pay-to-play, like... Right. Ticket, you have to you buy a, a bunch of tickets. And you're supposed to so uh, it didn't like where I guess they determined whether they paid us or not, right? Based yeah. on it, and the couple of ones that that we played early on before we like before we knew anybody. I remember one specifically. I feel like it was called Jared's. Maybe it was uh-huh. in Attleboro, uh-huh. and it's very difficult to play a bringer show if you are a band that just started out in Boston. Sure. In Attleboro, which if, if you're not familiar with Massachusetts geography, is like 45 minutes away. Right. That's where people actually have accents and stuff. Exactly. And uh, the ba- one of the bands we played with um, had a guy that bre- that dressed in like a in like a cloak and breathed fire. <laughs> um, so he was bringing a lot of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Not a not, not a, Inca Dagger. It was not Inca Dagger. I've seen Inca Dagger uh, many many times. I, I went to school outside of. I I don't know if he was in it when I when I saw them. I've always wondered that because I right. I couldn't like put it together. But. For the listener, it's Eric Wareheim from Tim and Eric fame was a former member of uh, Vampire Punk. Band yes, from Philly. Uh, Ink and Dagger. Yes, but wasn't but, it only for a tour or something? Yeah, he might have. He might. I, I heard it was because he had a van. That yeah, was the that's the rumor right. that I've heard. Because he was also in I Am Heaven. I am not not familiar. Elements with of Need. Who had a split with uh, Frail? Oh, I'm familiar <laughs> with Frail. And possibly Jasmine. Uh, these are some dusty Ooh. groups. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so you played with the guy who breathed fire. Yes. Uh, I, that I remember that being like a very. Like, just a very depressing uh-huh. type show. I uh, played a show at the living room. Right. In, I guess that was in Providence. But it was the same night as the fire, like the Great White Fire. Oof. And the same it was the, the same exact night. We were playing, like, the same time that that was happening. Wow. Guys With, got once bitten and he never came yeah, back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was All it. Right, Pete. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that was, you know, I when I when I went back home, I was watching the news. They were still, I, I, in my mind, I, I may be remembering this incorrectly, but I remember them showing footage of them trying to pull people out. It was just like yeah. terrifying, yeah. terrifying footage. And then they like they never really showed it again. But um, I remember my girlfriend at the time being like terrified that she couldn't remember where we were playing. <laughs> And she's like, oh, no, they bur- they, it wasn't like it was a great white show. That was like, they, they buried the lead that it was a great white show. <laughs> right. They just like a bunch of people died in a right. fire at some shitty venue in Rhode Island. Uh, the ultimate worst kid ever. Yeah, that was the... Burning alive at a great white <laughs> yeah. show. Um, like you went there ironically, but yes, you, you yeah. died in real life. Yeah, exactly. Although I guess if you're in Rhode Island seeing a great white show, like you... You know what's A lot of people were like, <laughs> if I ended here... Right. This would be the place. <laughs> this is, is going to be yeah. top of the heap. Yeah. Um, uh, so, wait, so how did that Attleboro show go? The Attleboro show, I'm, um, I remember it going very, actually like very well. Like the crowd was very receptive right. uh, to us. I think because we were the first band they had seen that night that could play instruments. Um, <laughs> that I was just, not that that's always a big deal. But, but it helps. Uh, but what, it, it was it also help. one of those classic lineups where it's bands that have nothing in like it could be like a high school. It wasn't kind like of punk band playing. Band. Yeah. It wasn't that mixed. It was like I mean, it, I think we were the out of place band. Like it was mostly like shitty good. metal bands, okay. right? And then like you know us doing like a whatever like a <laughs> mathy or I guess hardcore whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. But um, it really has been very bad at describing the sound of that band. <laughs> uh, the so it was like a I remember also breaking a string on my bass and oh, that, which is never good yeah and uh, and then borrowing because you always got spare strings mm-hmm. and a spare bass right and it's very easy to change yes it takes no time at all <laughs> it takes no time. Uh, and it's really it's no problem asking yeah. a guy that breathes fire to borrow his people are usually bass. psyched yeah uh, to let <laughs> yes. you especially after you've just uh, like destroyed your own so right. so what was it like playing with the Jenna torturers that night. <laughs> <laughs> right? yeah, that really, this guy right. So, Quest of the Moon Breed. Right. <laughs> um, the, uh, I've definitely had shows where we played, like, um, do you know a label called All About Records? In Pieces did some stuff on right, All right. About. and um, Wait, In Pieces were, uh, is that a dead guy? A, a, 
Pieces were sounds. members of someone else at some point. This is for me. no one except for right. people in this room. Right. Let's make sure we, the three of us, figure this out. Uh, kind of sounds right. Are you thinking of Time's Up? I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I wish I wasn't thinking about this at all. <laughs> <laughs> so you played for a while. But yeah, when did the when when was the point where you're like, all the, right. The transition. You, you moved from Boston because your girl broke up with you. Yep. Your heart was broken. Exactly. Scattered to a million pieces. My, You'll never... Never come back from that again. Yeah, there's, I mean, just completely, <laughs> complete just, devastation. Yes. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, uh, the, uh, this, I don't know if this counts, this, this certainly doesn't count as a gig, but uh-huh. I'll give you my low moment uh-huh. from that. It's like, I, if it had been less tragic, I would have cried about it, but it was like, <laughs> it was so perfect that I laughed at myself hysterically. So I had come back from work one day and my girlfriend had like moved out. Like she, her aunt lived nearby. Like Where, she like, where's work at the time? Uh, I was working in retail. Speaking of bad gigs, uh, I worked at a running specialty store called Marathon Sports, um, which is like a series of them in you Boston. You just fucking love running, don't yeah, you? I, God damn it. I do, I <laughs> so do love it. What I don't love is retail, but, <laughs> um, I don't recommend it under yeah. any circumstances, but it was a great, it was a good place to work. They paid you very well for retail right. and it was like, um, the kind of place, uh, where people like you do like a gait analysis, you like watch people walk and <laughs> you like tell them what kind of shoe to, to wear and give them a lot of advice. Right. Like people would call and say like, Oh, do I have to make an appointment? Like they thought you were like a doctor. <laughs> so it was, a, you got a touch more respect than right. you did as a normal retail right. employee, but you still had to suffer the bullshit. Sure. You're still working retail. Yeah. Yeah, and you still had to swallow the fact that you're like, I have a fucking master's degree and I'm right. selling people's shoes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was not in, it had nothing to do with, with, uh, it was in screenwriting. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like I, oh, was a doctor. This, this yeah. was post grad school too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I started working there to like help pay for my rent while I was sure. in grad school. Right. And, uh, and then my, uh, girlfriend at the time was in, uh, getting her master's in education right. and was, she had to finish up her student teaching. So we're like, oh, we'll stick around for another couple of months while you do your student teaching. We're yeah. going to move. And she just kind of got hooked into teaching there and never, ever, uh, and not loving you. Yes. Well, Perfect. eventually <laughs> yeah, we, that kid, that we nice. got to that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it was, a, it was a slow burn from there, but the, uh, so anyway, I'd come home from this terrible retail job found that she had like moved most of her stuff uh-huh. out. Um, without any like prior war, like, war, I mean, we had like broken up, sure. reconciled, or whatever, and then it was just like, he's gone. I have, I have a couple <laughs> hours. Let's get my, I'll get my shit together. Right. But she still had a bunch of stuff left there, and uh, she's a high school chemistry teacher. So, uh-huh. um, she had uh, boxed up like all her books and stuff. She came back like with uh, a friend of hers who lived nowhere. She lived in like fucking Rochester or uh-huh. Buffalo or some shit. <laughs> Uh, but she like called her because she didn't want to like be alone when she came in. Right. Like I was going to murder her or something. Uh, <laughs> Break her Bunsen. Burner. Yeah. Like I just imagine a high school chemistry teacher. She just has Bunsen burners yes. at home. She just just has like just like stuff. <laughs> well, she ha- what she does have is a ton of chemistry books and like teacher editions, which are each of them is very very hefty. Sure. And she put them all into like a box, um, and is a very physically weak person. And the person she brought with her, also a very physically weak person. Uh, and our, uh, our apartment at the time had like this long wooden outdoor staircase that went up to the, to the top floor <laughs> where we were. And, um, so I was just, I just wanted to expedite this process to get right. her out. So I was like, I'm just going to carry this, this box. I was like so angry and I like picked it up 
and wrenched my back at the time, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I herniated some discs. Perfect. I like I carried it down the stairs, and, like put it in, and tried to like be like, you know, cordial. Like yeah, and tried and tried to be like cool about <laughs> right. the whole thing, and then they. They left, and then my whole apartment was basically empty. It was just, like, <laughs> me and a couch, and, like, well, she, like, owned the bed and everything. Like, everything was pretty much gone. Nothing but hardwood floors, a herniated disc, and me, me, no TV, <laughs> and I had my, I just had my feet up, like, I couldn't, like, uh, I didn't have, like, a bed to sleep in, and I needed to keep, like, my legs elevated, so I just, like, slept in the dark and the silence with my feet <laughs> propped up. Uh, on the couch, just like lying there, <laughs> yeah. like this, and being like, if this weren't so, <laughs> if this weren't so shitty, like it would be sad. But it's really funny right now. <laughs> I'm like, in great screenplay idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although that's like one of the things you write in screenplay, people would be like, that's fucking bullshit. Right, exactly. That's so. Was that like uh, this inspiring moment for you to then delve into uh, life's follies, as it were? Well, it was. I don't. <laughs> My, for the listener, yes. I just shot myself in the face yes. saying that. <laughs> the, uh, my ass off. Well, the, um, I guess that, that's, that's the inciting incident of my screenplay is like breaking Perfect. up and deciding, yeah. yes, that, oh, uh, we got character. Yeah. <laughs> so now I've, uh, I've, you know, I've hit my, I kind of hit my low point there, but we had been talking for, for a while before that we were looking into moving to LA. Like we'd gone out and like looked at apartments and right. stuff. Um, cause that seemed like the logical place to go with a sure. screenwriting sure. background. And I knew some people out there. Um, so I thought I would go there, but then I realized that, okay, I've just quit my job and I've moved. I don't have any right. real connection. I don't have any real money. So I have to go home. So like I went, uh, I'm from New Jersey originally. So I went to my parents for a while. They were away. They had just like sold their business and they were driving cross country. They were gone for like a year. So I just went home to my childhood home and lived there by myself <laughs> for a couple of months. And then I moved in with my older brother and, um, had another, I had another terrible gig that we can get to <laughs> later. Uh, but while I was work, I was, at least I was working at this, uh, like sort of as a glorified intern at this, uh, production company in Soho, just like reading awful scripts. Right. Um, and they were really more of like an editing house. I don't know. Like he was trying to get into uh -huh. producing things. Uh, and like he sort of knew Ang Lee and that was like his thing. <laughs> that was like, uh, what's your business model? Uh, ever heard of Ang Lee? Thank you. <laughs> See ya. So I don't, I don't know what his plan, I don't know Wait, what his I love how that's how he says like, you to work. Uh, what do you think of like, my business model? Angrily, and then he leaves. He just, yeah. he just used <laughs> see like, as punctuation on all. Exactly. He ended every sentence. So what, you're interested in my business model? <laughs> he's about Angley. Fuck you. I'm out of here. Do you he want was, any coffee? I like this guy. Uh, no Angley. Kind of. Came, came from China. He didn't know how to punctuate <laughs> things. So period, like see, it was a period. For yes. Um, I just have to interject with my own Ang Lee story. Uh, <laughs> I, this, we all this, got this, it, brother. This, well, okay, when I graduated uh, college, Ang Lee was the uh, the uh, the speaker at the 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 big NYU graduation for all the schools, Ooh. and this was 2001. So um, uh, you know, it was a big year for Ang Lee, and this is in front of whatever it is, 16,000 people in Washington Square Park. And Ang Lee comes on, and he's, you know, giving his speech. And I'll spare you my, my Chinaman accent. <laughs> right. But he basically comes Hold on. Let me get the gong ready. <laughs> <laughs> he basically comes on, and he says, you know, each of you is about to embark on a journey. 
Much like the characters in my new movie, Crouching Tiger and Dragons, <laughs> opening nationwide June 15. ABC, always be solid. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. <laughs> It's just a Chinese thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they said they tried to sound American. Okay. So anyway, so you were you were a glorified internet, a production company who had a tenuous connection to Anglin. Right. right. And uh, while I while I was there, like I would always I would make a habit of like picking up like the Onion and going through it. And I saw that they taught classes at the Pit, and people from the state taught classes there. Right. And I was like, oh, I you know I love the state. I'm going to try to take classes at the Pit, and they were all sold out. I had no. I knew there was a UCB theater, but I had no idea that they taught classes. And UCB was like my religion in college. Like right. that show, I, I loved it. So what? What year are we talking about now? This is 2006. Okay. So the band is is kind of kaput. Yes, we we recorded like in that like November maybe of 2006. So I I had to go back up to do uh, the recording, but I had started. Um, You're living working, in Jersey at the yeah, time. Yeah, I'm, I'm living in living in Jersey, working in Soho, and. Um, so a couple of months into that, that's probably like September or something, or not even, it's August, I guess, uh, where I'm, I'm working at this place. And uh, I, uh, so, and then I saw in, and well, I couldn't get into classes at the pit, I saw an ad for UCB that they taught right. classes, and I was like, oh, that seems like something to do, so I was like... It's crazy when you realize that, the first time, like, yeah. oh, I can take classes yeah. with these people? Right, uh, and like, I could potentially like, you know, right. meet the, the, you know, I didn't, I had never like really met anyone famous, sure. I didn't know anything about anything really, sure. and... Uh, Did you, and you always liked comedy? I, I was always into comedy, right. um, I, uh, you know, would always like kind of write my own, when we'd have like uh, assignments that weren't screenplays... And grad school, like, I would turn it into a right. sketch. Like, they were, like, for directing classes, you had to write, like, a four or five minute scene right. and cast people from the uh, the CFA acting program okay. in your little thing. So I just would write comedy sketches right. for that. And we shot them on high eight because they wouldn't of let course, us touch yeah. any good I realized in retrospect, I did the same, just in, like, I went to film school, too. But, like, I didn't, like, think of them as sketch. Right. But if I had to do assignments, like, except for, like, you know... The one artsy one at the beginning where I'm tearing up a photo of my family crossing out spaces or some bullshit. It's like Jay Sherman's student film. Yes, That's it my... looks way too close to that. Yes. Um, but yeah, I realize now in retrospect, I'm like, oh, they were all sketches. They weren't necessarily good, but I was trying to do that without right. thinking, like, because I don't know how you felt, or like, I was always like, yeah, I, I love comedy. I can't do that. I don't know. How do you do that? Right. Like, I... It just seemed like a weird, mm. uh, just kind of thing that other people did and I didn't like, so my, I like, okay. my uh, like weird and it's like sort of it's sort of embarrassing but I guess it's not anymore since I have the job that I have but the <laughs> uh, the summer before I got that job I was at home and I was looking through some old papers right. um, that were in like the attic of the garage or whatever at my parents house and I found my uh, college uh, application essay mm-hmm. and it's the subject is like what where do you see yourself uh, 10 years after you graduate and mine's about being a writer at SNL and it wow. took me 11 years look at that but it's uh, all I did was write about Earth Crisis Destroy the Machines <laughs> yeah did not get into NYU with that. <laughs> that's because that's they don't know anything right that's <laughs> what I'm saying thank you oh, you're saying you have to bring your message <laughs> I'm going to check that guy's coming back <laughs> recurring character on the yeah. podcast <laughs> Angley Production Company uh, we were uh Christine, um, 
my girlfriend and I were were listening to WNYC uh-huh. yesterday, and uh, it was Marty Moskowitz speaking about the opening <laughs> of the the pool at oh, McLaren Park, yeah. and he said congratulations a bunch of times, and we were saying like, oh, that's how he ends all his sentences. <laughs> so he has to be like, oh, congratulations, yeah. like he's oh, like, oh, I'm very, congratulations, I'm very sorry for your loss, congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Moskowitz, okay. Uh, uh, so. We're leaving Brooklyn. Forget about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. It's such a cheeky little neighborhood. <laughs> um, okay, so so yeah, so you start taking classes at UCB, which is where I ended up meeting you. Yes, uh, I my my first very very first class I took with Chris Kula, who was who's been a writer on like Mad TV right. and Community, and, uh, and just was my first teacher yeah. too, and just uh, all around like great awesome. guy. Um, he was I don't know for you, he was one of my like. He was one of the first people at UCB Lark post classes. I went to him for advice. Yeah, I would, like send him emails to be like, "Kula, help me." Yeah, <laughs> like, he... I don't know what I'm doing. And he was, you know, because he's cool. He's awesome. He's real funny. He's super smart. Uh, but he's was... right there in the name. He's real right? cool. Uh, so this, this is or this is around 2006. This is 2006. Here. So September of 2006. After I see this this ad, I sign up, take a class, um, and I met uh, Brandon Bassam in that class, who is one of the guys from Bobby Chicago, and I've been writing with him ever since that uh, that class. So I didn't know what to expect. And some of the people there in that class were like, you know, they're just not really committed to it. Or... Was this improv or, or This was sketch. Okay. I like, I hate, I, I hated the idea of improv. Sure. Before I figured out what they, they what they did at UCB, like the long form. I'd right. only ever seen short form. So I had seen like, whose lines anyway, which I, I cannot of course. Yeah, I it's I cannot stand it. You don't like uh, Wayne uh, Wayne Braids. Wayne Braids. The Braids. <laughs> I mean, I don't you know, I love him. I just don't like him improvising. I think he's <laughs> he's great. He's great Orlando's person. finest. Yes. But <laughs> the uh I think my my experience with improv was so bad. Like I remember being in Disney World with my family when I was a kid and they did short form improv at like Pleasure Island, yep. which is uh it, and it was just, I remember being like, there, everybody in the audience was, was laughing. Michael Delaney, yeah. Billy Merrick. It could, it could have been. I know. If they were Orlando's all, finest. Was yeah. Wayne Brady involved in that? Cause I think he had like, moved beyond at that point. <laughs> right. But a lot of people, st- like, um, there was sort of a comedy scene in Orlando. Yeah. That's, that's where, uh, Brandon came from. Mm-hmm. And he, he has some weird stories about, like, uh, He'd be a he'd be a solid guest because he has some interesting stories about helping to develop the sitcom for Carrot Top. <laughs> uh, Car- I don't think I've ever heard that. Carrot Top, who is uh, is another Orlando, wow. uh, another Orlando guy. Amazing. Florida is where all the worst things. Yes, come exactly. From. Worst state in the world. Yeah. Um, so you took with Kula. I took met Brandon. I met Brandon there, and had your normal one hundred and one experience. Yeah, where you have crazy people. You have a couple of crazy people. people it was, in 10 but we had some. Uh, we had some good people in there. Um, Abby Jacobson was in that class right. from Broad City, right? And uh, Kevin Haas, I don't yeah. remember from yeah. uh, Black Habanero. Black and uh, so we met a bunch. You know, a couple of people and and wrote with them. Um, oh, I guess for the listener, oh, I guess we'll get to Black Habanero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll uh, for the listener, just hold the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to be all right. Seriously, if you're in this far, if you stuck with us through in pieces. <laughs> right, exactly. He, uh, so for, for the two of you, just hold on. Yes. <laughs> so uh, after that class, they had just started um, something called Sketch 600. It was like a pilot program. Right. And uh, that became, I guess, became the mod program which right. was like the the house sketch teams at ucd um and uh brandon and i both did that and then jeff came from another class yeah and it was in that 
And we, that's where we met, like, everybody that we first started doing yeah. comedy with. And we had to do four, like, four shows. They supplied us with actors from the house improv teams, uh, the Herald teams. And we so, we, yeah, Santange, we Abris, had uh, Nick Ross. Nick Ross. Um, Fran. Fran Gillespie. All yeah. luminaries at yeah. the theater now. And, uh, and just, uh, like, uh, Susanna Beckett as well, who's yep. uh, Coolest Wife now. Yep. Samuel Beckett? Samuel, Samuel Beckett. Beckett. Really funny. He's, well, Samuel Samuel Beckett leaped into. Yes. Well, I'm talking about that Samuel oh, Beckett. Boy. I don't know. If you know. <laughs> uh, There's a lot of quantum leap talk in that class yes. with Kula Not because wait, uh, is Kula short for back Kula. Yep. Yes. Oh my God! It all comes together. <laughs> he ch- he changed. He had to change his name to get work. Yes. His bacula's been blacklisted. Oh, oh boy. Bacula's. <laughs> he's been. Blacklisted. He's been backlisted. <laughs> yeah. It became Blackula. <laughs> and that was the, what did they call it? Writing for stage. Yeah, uh, it was like, and it was, the idea was doing like an SNL, like write a right. new show every week and put it up. Which we did, and it was called, well, we, we called it Vince, we ended up yes. calling it, this is for the listener. Uh, no, but me and Pete, Pete has been involved in two shows that I've been involved in that legal action has been brought Yes. Almost. This uh, and the first one the was first, our very first yes. thing we ever did. First the thing theater. we ever did the theater. The show was uh, we called the group Black Habanero, and we called the show Vincent Gallo's Black Habanero Review. Yes, and then I think for no reason and, other than no and reason. because Vincent Gallo must have hired somebody to just Google him every five seconds. Right. He discovered that this show existed and thought that it and applied. And that we had listed him as catering. Yes. <laughs> no, I, in the we, listings I, of who he was, I'm pretty sure. Oh, I think we did that after oh, the initial complaint. After, I thought it was. I thought we initially had started with catering by Vincent Gallo, and then his assistant approached us because yeah, because he got a call. From, they got a call from the assistant at the L.A. theater right first, and then Round Bunny had just come out. I think. Yeah, he was like, I mean, he was hot. He was yeah. in full. He was. He was, he was in full his, defense mode. Yes, very much so. He had put the that so X on Roger. Ebert yeah, he put he had put down his Ebert voodoo doll and like picked up the phone to call yeah. and threaten legal action. Um, so we had to change the name, and so Chris uh, Kula changed it to uh, Ernest and Julio Gallo's <laughs> Black American Sketch Review. Right. And the day we changed it, one of those guys yes. died. Either Ernest or Julio. I can't remember which one. Day. I mean, he um, was he was past, He was on borrowed time yes, to begin with. Exactly. Um, um, may he rest in peace. Yes. But it was sort of a curse. In pieces, right. actually. It was sort of a cursed show. Uh, but yeah, and we did four of those, and they were they were fun. Yeah, they were. Those so were they, they weren't exactly worse gigs, but they were uh, legal. Yet, no. I mean, if I look category. back, they might be not great. They, they, yeah, I don't think we would ever be like, oh, these were really awesome. Another thing that came from Vincent Gallo in that is that the the first thing that I wrote for that, or we we kind of co-wrote, uh-huh. was the because um, the one show had an Oscars theme. It was oh, on during the Oscars, yes. and we wrote uh, a death montage. It was like who died and what they died of. I just found that script. Yeah, the other day. and. Uh, so when I posted it online, it was the first thing I I ever posted on YouTube. Right. And I said it was from Vincent Gallo's Black Habanero sketch review. He found that. I still I have an email archive somewhere that says this video has been removed due to a request from Vincent Gallo. It's like they didn't even argue it. It was just like Vincent Gallo called and said to take down this video. He's not mentioned in it. There's no pictures of him. I hope he doesn't come after us for mentioning his name on the podcast. We're going to have to get him on. He's he's like jerking off right now. I want to toot my own horn with that death video. And I could be wrong. Correct me if this wasn't my joke. But we had a list, and I believe one of them was Stonewall Jackson. And I think I suggested that he died of bravery. 
I don't. I can't remember. Or was it you? I can't. It was one of us that that pitched a like. <laughs> yes, that he died. And I remember, I remember, uh, Dom, uh, Dierkes, who was the, right. he was the, the co-director of that from, uh, from Derek. He, uh, he thought that was like the funniest thing in right. the world that he died. And I can't, but I can't remember if that was For you me, or me. In a weird did that. way, that was the beginning of being like, oh, sketch can be really funny. Yeah. Like, honestly, <laughs> like that one weird joke, like amongst, like I looked at the script and I was like, yeah, it's all fine. Like, right. it's like a fine video. Like, and it's a fine, it like looks better than it should at right. the time. But I remember that joke. I was like, oh, comedy. Right. Like, it's great. Like, it, is, it can be really weird. The last one on that list was a picture of Alan Rickman falling out of <laughs> right. Nakatomi Tower, and he died of John McClane. <laughs> yes, that one was awesome, yes. too. I take it back. It's the best sketch ever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we did four of those, and it was great. Uh, but that was where we first met. And then I think Black Avenue, we did a spank once We after? did. We, uh, yeah, we started, we got together and wrote, like, a bunch of different sketches and we did uh i think a couple of spanks as black habanero um i know you shot some when i was on tour once with big business Uh, oh yeah yeah uh we did uh we matt katie uh was our video guy at at the time oh yeah matt katie was our great videographer etc but yes and he uh for the listener we we shot a we shot a bunch of stuff we actually we uh went up labor i think it was labor day weekend of 2007, mm-hmm. maybe, uh, to some people that uh, Kevin Haas knew, um, which went to their cabin in right. like uh, upstate New York somewhere, and a bunch with a bunch of people that we didn't really know at the time <laughs> to shoot a bunch of sketches that we had written, and they were going to be like the first things for UCB comedy, right? And uh, it was the first that that camera ever got used, like the, mm-hmm. the theater's you know new HD camera, VVX. We ended up. Uh, through some uh, technical glitch, uh, ended up losing almost all of that footage. <laughs> but and that's where I got to meet like uh, Lathan and Rogers right. and all those guys that like um, you know like classic people from right. the theater. Rob Lathan, Ben yeah. Rogers. Um, I mean, for me, like I will always describe you as the nicest guy in comedy. But you're like, I mean, you're Pete Schultz. You're great, but you're also you were you were you were kind of you know helping out the beginning of UCB comedy, too, because you were, that's part of your, you know, your deal. If I have to describe it, you've got this work ethic. Yeah, we, that's kind of we did, so, like, so much. in a lot of the people at the theater office. We did so, like, like so much video work. Well, the the other thing was that when we, when the first round of Mod Teams right. came out, like, I had uh, submitted for that, and I didn't get on right. to Which that no first round. I, I, I was a little... Sure. I was a little put off by, but I like I didn't I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what everybody else's right. packets were or whatever. Um, I mean, five years later, I will. It's gotten yeah. <laughs> the uh, I will say, uh, Kula did email me afterwards to be like, I don't I don't right. know what happened. He had moved by that point. He was already on Mad TV. Yeah. Um. So I don't know, you know, what the what deal was with that. But if you going back in anyone's defense, I don't know who made those decisions or whatever. Sure. It's not a great packet. Like yeah. if I look at it now, I'm like, I wouldn't. I would never show that to the people that I right. work with or whatever. But, right. um. And I probably left out some better stuff that right. could have been in. But I, so I had all this, like, you and Brandon, uh, made teams. Um, so the, mo- a lot of the people that I worked with were on these, were on these teams. So my skill at that point became also because uh, Matt, uh, Katie was mm-hmm. shooting stuff, but he wasn't really an editor at that right. point. So I knew Avid from film school. Right. And I taught myself Final Cut. And, uh, so I just started editing, um, videos for everybody and just right. started, you know, uh, 
trying to insinuate myself into the into the video right. and UCB Comedy had just started, um, which is their website yeah. for comedy right. videos and for original content, etc. Right. So I, I started doing that stuff. I started doing videos with Lathan. Right. Um, at that point, I was like editing all all his stuff. Like he had some video that. Uh, one of the first used to be comedy videos that he didn't like the edit of. Uh-huh. And so I got all the footage and re-edited it. Right. And he liked it. And then we, we did his, uh, Lost Jogger video, which mm-hmm. was like one of the first things, you know, featured on UCB comedy and Funny or Die and whatever. Right. Um, so I started to get a reputation for doing that kind of stuff, which I sort of, I sort of dreaded. Sure. Because like, I think you, I mean, you have a similar film background and you right. know how to do the, the yeah, technical yeah. stuff, but. I've in, I'm like, I'm a writer. Like I have like right. a master's degree in writing. Right. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. I shouldn't be doing all this right. video stuff, but there was nobody else to, to do it. And it seemed like the thing at the time was everybody was, you know, doing online videos right. and you had to, uh, have some kind of presence that way. Like Derek had just blown up yeah. and uh, like, I mean, they were Derek being, uh, Donald Glover, Dominic Derek is DC Pearson. Uh, they were a huge comedy troupe. Yeah, yeah. huge online comedy troupe. Like probably the first YouTube stars. Yeah, they would. Uh, they'd be like by the time uh, Dominic was like the assistant director of that class mm-hmm. that we were in. Like they were sort of celebrities in the New York comedy yeah. community. Like people knew them. Yeah. Um, and I, they their most popular video. I think it was their most popular video was a video called Bro Rape, which is yes. like eight and a half minutes long. Yep. And breaks every rule. Of yeah. Online videos. But uh, Bobby Moynihan is in it. Right. And he still tells me he's like, I get recognized more for Bro Rape than for anything <laughs> I've ever done. He said he was at the um, at the Coliseum in Rome shooting that movie, uh, like when he was yeah. uh, doing When in Rome. Right. Uh, which like Netflix it if you can. Sure. Uh, just it's it's worth your eighty minutes. The um, <laughs> nice eighty minutes. Yes, feature. it's a it's a, it's a solid. They, they salvaged they salvaged eighty minutes. But he's there. There's some fun stuff in that with like him and like uh, Eugene and uh, Cordero and Charlie Sanders. Right. Like have some fun like poker scenes with their their best friend Josh Duhamel. Uh-huh. Anyway, but he was while he was shooting this movie, he said that he uh, he had some downtime. He went to the Coliseum. And he goes, he got recognized for bro rape at the Coliseum. <laughs> He's like, he'll never live it amazing. down. So, so while you were, di- but you know, while you were, you know, doing all these videos, doing all this production work, you know, still writing your own stuff, still doing Bobby Chicago stuff at this point. Um, uh, and you know, at one point, I was saying, like, you, if there was a show running at the theater, there was a video from Pete yeah. in there. Yeah. For the, uh, including for the my part. shows. Like, it's because you were, you're just, you've got the, the go-to to guy. Yeah, you're the go-to. But so while you're doing this, and this feeds into Worst Gig Ever, like, you're working shit job. I had... Like, the shittiest job. So I, I from, from the, my job reading uh, scripts, which was like... I think I was losing money to work at well, that you, job. Well, you were not getting paid for that. It was like very, very, very little. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Stipend. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, the guy had, the, uh, he discovered that I was a writer and like could write. Like I said, I wrote a lot of like good coverage on these scripts. That, like, these scripts that had no hope of being produced by right. anyone, let alone somebody that has no right. real credits. Um, other than he went to film school with Ang Lee. I oh, that's right, of course. Is, see, right, see uh, <laughs> so I. It's now Dice Clay. Yeah. Now, like, so, oh! <laughs> so I, I was done with that guy. And, 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 and I, while I was doing that, I was also, uh, tutoring SAT. 
in New Jersey at the Huntington Learning Center, which is a garbage job. How do you get that job? Do you have um, to take a course? No, I, they, well, when I, when I first signed up, I had to take the SAT again. I fucking killed it. I was my own horn, but I did. I will tell you, like, I, I did okay in SATs in high school. But I did better somehow on the math section right. now. At, a, not, at, at what age? 30 or something? This would, I would have been like 29 or 30. Okay. Yeah, you took, so took you it. took the SATs at 29. Yeah. <laughs> like, and you got I, 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 like I completely aced the, the, the verbal part right. and the writing part of it. And the math, I scored higher than I did. In, in when high you were school. sixteen years, yeah, old. when I took math, like Perfect. when I when I when I knew something about math, right. I, I don't know if I was just randomly filling in circles or whatever, but like they came when they came back, they were like, "This is this is great, like nobody's <laughs> nobody's done this well," <laughs> you know. I I'm like, I don't know who's tutoring yeah. these kids oh, wow. in here, so it's uh, it that was not a fun gig. I did that because I for a while thought about I would go into teaching and right. you know I could do comedy on the side of teaching. Some people did that, sure, and. uh I discovered through tutoring that like, oh no, right. no, 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 this is not fun. Like I had coached before and that was fun, but that's like, it's a couple hours at a time. You send them out to run, like you tell them what to right. do. Like it's not, not real difficult, um, in terms of like relating to the kids. But when you just have to sit there with a sure. kid for an app with some idiot and try to teach him how to structure <laughs> right. a sentence, it is excruciating. I'm sure you find this teaching sketch. I, I, no comment. I love all my students. They're all great. <laughs> Every now and then you're going to run across somebody. That's... You might. I don't want to say that there's a lot of them, but you know. uh, yes. Uh, and then did you two, correct me if I'm wrong, were you working in like a production company in Jersey too? No, it wasn't or in Jersey. For... It was in Staten Island. That's what it was. I worked at Time Warner Cable in Staten Island <laughs> making local commercials. You were the enemy. Yes. <laughs> cool. The, uh, Wait, it, was it local? Oh, it's local commercials for anyone who hired. That, no, for, or was for it Time, for Time, Warner, Time Warner's Warner. local? Well, it was like store. if you if you want to buy if you're a local uh, business, you want to buy time to right. advertise on Time Warner. You could also have them produce your commercial right. for you because not everybody has access to that sure. kind of thing, and you would get like a cut rate to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I applied for this job, telling them that I knew Final Cut inside and out, and did not. But I was just like, I needed something. Got Final Cut for dummies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, I just basically something tangentially related to. <laughs> yeah. ulti- well, I mean, at least on the production side, you're some. So you have one foot in the door, right, however right, right. lame it and is. My, and my thought was also that I don't have enough money to buy my own equipment. Sure. Maybe I can use equipment here, which is what I ended up doing. I would just wait till everybody left. Then I would. T- I was in charge of the equipment closet, so I would take all the equipment. I'd go home, shoot a comedy video, come in early before everybody put it back. Um, and so we had, like, that's, and I uh, could, the, the projects we worked on there were so easy. Like, I discovered that, like, I, I was so nervous going into it that I thought I was like, I'm, they're going to find me out. Like, I don't know what I'm right. doing. And I was a million times more confident than anybody right. that worked there on any level. So it I mean, that's not but you knew Abbott. Like, it really yeah. was just figuring out the keystrokes right. in some ways. But it was like, like my, I lied about my production experience sure. and all that kind of stuff. So I um, so I worked this job. It was in, like, the type of commercials that I would have to edit. Because we also had a guy who brought in freelance that was awesome. Like, right. he was way, way below his pay grade. <laughs> right. uh, and he's, he still does, he does editing now for, like... I think he works for A and E or something, but right. he's a uh, like a you know like a motion graphics expert, uh-huh. just great editor. And uh, he had started out there when he was in like high school or something, right? And was just like sort of doing it as a favor. So if it wasn't a huge thing, they were just throwing it down to me, and mm-hmm. these were just like super simple 
really crappy ads and I could do them in like 20 minutes. So I would do those and I would bring like a drive with me that had my work on it (laughs) and I would just edit shit all day at work. Um, which is one way you're able to, to, to get a ton of shit done. Yes. Um, Having someone else pay for it and they don't know. Yeah. <laughs> gotta the work. You all. gotta work yeah. within the system. Exactly, man. <laughs> you really raged against the machines. <laughs> but we, uh, we had, that, that job was like, people would always be like, oh, they, you must meet a lot of interesting characters <clears throat> doing that job as though that would make it worth right. it. It's like, yeah, well, the characters are great, like in a fucking story. Right. Like when you are, when you are spending all day with some like fucking car dealer from Queens, that's telling you about how he fucks the owner's girlfriend on the side. Like, that's not fun. Like, it's, it's fun to see that happen. Yes. But to spend to the day it. with that guy, not so much. Yeah. The, um, and you would get like, some of the, some of those commercials that, uh, have been produced there have become sort of online hits because right. they're so sure. bad. And I would, I would tip off at when I worked at Best Week Ever. Uh huh. Um, I would tip them off to those commercials. Right. I'd be like, "Oh, you gotta, you gotta find these <laughs> right. and put them online. They're so amazing." Yeah. So, well, speaking of something like Best Week Ever, how does how does a, a, a gig, quote unquote, like that come about? From like, how do you start doing cooler right. uh, work well, that you're getting paid for? What had happened with that was I, um, it's basically just from doing a ton of work at the at the theater. I was shooting um, Kilgore, which is like a. a a Halloween show that they do every now and then right. at the UCB theater, which is like this, you know, blood and guts type, uh, comedy show, um, that they revive every now and then. And, uh, they had asked us to shoot some backstage stuff as well as in, in addition to shooting the show. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I had shot and edited it a couple of times by that point. Um, and they wanted something a little bit different. So we were shooting some stuff backstage and, uh, they had a shower set up in the back, in the back, so people could get the fake blood off them. Cause there's right. so much blood, and so we were running the camera. Uh, I was running the camera back there, and Kate Spencer, who uh, was the editor of the Fab Life blog um, mm-hmm. at VH1, and was married to the artistic director of the theater, um, was back there. And I didn't like, I didn't know her, and she didn't know me. Like we knew each other's names, but we wouldn't know each other on site. Right. And so she, I was just like a guy with the camera and there were people like, you know, near a shower or whatever. And so she like, she, in her mind, she snapped at me. She was just very polite. She's like, Kate is like one of the nicest people you'll ever meet in your entire life. But she is, she was just like, and so in her mind, I think she had offended me. Uh And so she, uh, friended me on Facebook the next day and sent like a message being, oh, I didn't realize, you know, who you were or whatever. And then told me about this job opening to do videos, um, for Fab Life and right. Best Week Ever. And it was supposed to just be like a, you know, a part-time thing a couple of days a week. And I was trying to figure out, like, can I afford to quit this job and just do, just that, do that based yeah. off that rate? And then the deal just got better and, and better. Like, I went on an interview and it turned out it was going to be like four days a week. Right. And working four days a week at what they pay was twice what I was making. Right. And I was and I had a day off. I was yes. like, this is fucking ridiculous. I'm going to, uh, yeah, of course. I'm making and you're working out better stuff. Right. Yeah. And it's, even though it's only a nine month gig sure. at the time, they're like, oh, we, we have ways we can probably extend it. Right. Um, and you you're know, meeting work people it. working there and yeah. you're getting insinuated into the whole realm. Right. And so, you're working right, on, right. on better stuff. And, um, and so when I was there, I started doing videos for, uh, for best week and for fab life and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And they, uh, then they hired me to do, uh, 
when that gig was up, uh, somebody left the production team. So they hired me as a producer, uh, for VH1.com. So like it was, uh, I still worked on Best Week and did stuff, but I also like ended up shooting stuff for, uh, like their, uh, like web stuff, uh, supplemental stuff for like reality shows, mm-hmm. like Basketball Wives or something like that. Right. Um, and then did some like live events and, uh, like the VH1, like artist of the month or whatever would come in and perform live in the studio. We'd shoot that. Right. And then coordinate. So you're doing tech stuff, even though you're, you're a writer. Yeah. You keep getting hired to do video. And I got to do, I got to do some writing when I was at Best Week or like, uh, you know, some, uh, variations of it anyway. The, uh. Michelle Collins and Dan Hopper were the people that were in charge of mm-hmm. Best Week when it still existed. It just ended like two weeks yeah, ago or something like I believe that. so. Um, but, uh, and they're both very, very funny. And so we would collaborate on ideas sometimes. So like we did some fun like Photoshop mm-hmm. lists, like, um, you know, like fake movie posters and that kind of thing. So it would get writing yeah, in that was, way. It was, I feel like, I can't remember. I'm not even remember. There was one I remember you sent me that was like, this one's up your alley or whatever. Like, and there was some list coming out of, like, t-shirts. Oh, yeah, I remember that was the, uh, we, that was, there was a, a shirt that was at JCPenney uh-huh. that was, like, already It was, like, really, <laughs> it was, it, but it, it become a thing, like, it was a thing on Jezebel, like, that people, like, posted about, um, and we were up in arms about because it was, like, the shirt said, like, uh, it was something suggesting that, like, girls should have their brothers do their math homework for them right. was written on this shirt for, yeah. right. for young girls yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So we made a bunch of, of, of fake shirts, um, that are like, that reinforce gender stereotypes. <laughs> sure, 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 yeah. Um, and I believe the one that you loved was the, the shirt for boys that had all trucks on it and said, anger is the only valid emotion. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was. Why would I like that one? <laughs> um, I should be wearing that shirt every yeah. day now. <laughs> um, so how does, how does, uh, best week ever translate to, SNL or for the listener Saturday Night Live. Well, this uh, this well, it really all, all this stuff really does stem out of the the same stuff. It, like you know when I had resisted doing all this video work, right. um, and then just got to that got to be what I did. Um, I worked on some videos with Christine Nangle, who has been a writer there for three years, mm-hmm. um, and so like she had a show with Jill Donnelly that she was doing that they needed a a, a video for. So I did a video for her for that she was happy with that and then uh we asked her to she had a couple other scripts that her mod team didn't want to do right but brandon was on her mod team with her and he really liked the scripts and it's like we should shoot these as videos Mm -hmm. and like people you know shoot them and direct them or whatever and uh that's where we did the next video we did was the uh jolor santangeli right surrogate mother for hire video which was turned out to be a fairly big hit video for us and we've you know since turned into a web series and we asked her to join. Fantastic web series. Thank you. I want to have your baby. The, right? uh, yes. That's the name of it. Mm-hmm. I didn't get it wrong. And uh, so uh, we had uh, we had asked Christine to join Bob Chicago. So she was in Bob Chicago for like six months. Right. Then got hired onto <laughs> SNL like immediately right. after that. So um, she'd been doing that for a while. And she said one day, uh, Alex Bays, who's the... Uh, the head writer and producer of Update and also mm-hmm. like the best joke writer of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, he would, he just came up to her and was like, Hey, wh- what were those names you gave me the recommended for the update position? And mm-hmm. she was like, I didn't, like, in her mind, she's like, I didn't <laughs> give you any, I didn't recommend anybody. But she was like, Oh, 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 yeah, those, I'll like send them to you. 
So she sent, uh, you know, a couple of names in and mine was one of them. Um, and so I just got an email out of nowhere from Bayes right. last August mm-hmm. and, uh, was like, Hey, you know, if you're getting this, somebody that I trust, you know, thinks you're good enough to do this job or whatever. Right. Um, but I didn't even know what it was for. I didn't know if it was for like a staff position or just mm-hmm. to be like on their like faxer list. That, right. Um, and, uh, for the, for the listener, yeah. let's explain what it, the fax how, or the weekend update has a fax in, has a fax in list. Yeah. Like a contributor list. Right. Um, Which is really an email in yes. now, but we still call it the fax list. <laughs> yes. The, um, Hold strong. Yeah. Whole technology. Yeah. This is technically. We'll send you a page. Yeah. Right. And then you fax it. <laughs> people, people can we submit a your prodigy. Yeah. Like you just, uh, yeah. the, the setup just scrawls by on your beeper. <laughs> I'm doing a job, like visually <laughs> it's a describing it. But, tough, yeah. <laughs> For the listener, Pete just went like this. Yes. With his finger. With my finger, it, like Perfect. I swiped it across <laughs> a uh, fictitious beeper. The, um, but so I, I, I didn't know really what it was for. It was just like submit 10 jokes that are like, you know, either topical, or like a mix of topical, right. news of the weird, that kind of thing. Um, and so I got past that first round and then they asked me to submit, um, another packet, but this was like a timed thing. So mm-hmm. they sent setups and you had to write off those setups and had to do like, you know, what camera was like two pages or something. Right. Um, off those setups. And it was like, we got it on a Wednesday and they needed it like Friday morning or something. Right. And, uh, this was all while we were shooting that, uh, first web series where right. I was shooting. I'm unhappy baby. So I like had all these deadlines while I was trying to shoot all that stuff. <laughs> And I was probably emailing you about <laughs> doing some red dumb bullshit. I was like, know? so I was like losing my mind, but I didn't, I hadn't told anybody that I was spending right. for this thing other than like, uh, Christine knew, like, cause it was a crazy turn. Yeah, it was like I mean, super week, fast. Essentially. Like, or it was like, it, I like, I think the whole process was maybe three weeks. Okay. Because it was one week was the, the first email. Right. And the second week was the, those setups. And then there was a little bit of a delay mm-hmm. in like the, the selection process, I guess. Right. Um, so I didn't hear anything for a while, and then uh, at this a, time, did you remember that uh, college essay that you had written? No, not. Okay. Uh, <laughs> like, I, it, didn't, it occurred to me. It occurred to me later that like cause I had found it like a month prior to that, mm-hmm. but it, it like I think my mind just completely blew that this was an opportunity. And I think when I got to this second round of things, I started to realize like, oh, maybe this is like an actual like staff job and not right. just like a contributing writer. Right. And so then I got a call to come in, uh, for an interview and I was like, Oh, this is definitely for the staff job. They, right. they won't just interview me to, to, to do this or whatever. So I got a call on like Wednesday, like, can you come in tomorrow for an interview? Interviewed on Thursday, got hired on Friday and had to start Monday. So I had no time to give anybody at VH1 any like notice right. really. So I had to go in and I did my, I got the call at like two, two thirty. I did my exit interview at like three o'clock in the afternoon. It already right. like was already done. Were I was, you at VH1 when you got the call? Yeah. Like, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> but like, I, I told my, I told my, uh, like head producer right. that like, you know, I'm going in for this interview, but mm-hmm. I don't, I, I really don't know that I'm going to get this job but apparently the interviews there are really just to make sure you're not a crazy person sure um the interview at snl yeah yeah it was like it was it was very low-key it was like just all the update team and seth um just you know asking me questions about my family and whatever and uh my comedy background and Mm -hmm. um 
I think they were just trying to make sure that I wasn't going to murder them. I wasn't going to like right. annoy them. Uh, so how did they hide that you fact that you are yeah, going to murder them eventually? I, the, the best ultimate it, plan that's falls the, apart on our part. That? That's the thing about a murderer is <laughs> yeah. you can never, you can never. Well, really you just have to be out. like, I worked for a production company that knew Ang Lee. See ya. Right. And then please. <laughs> you did. And I was like, does that mean I got the job? They're like, have you ever heard the term see ya before? <laughs> of course that's what it means. Um, the, uh, so I, I had to do this exit interview very, very quickly and get all that stuff situated. And then, uh, started on Monday in the office all by myself. Right. There was uh, just, it was me and, uh, the update producer, Scott, uh, Weinstein, um, because everyone was at the Emmys. Right. Like it was like the oh, weekend yeah, of the yeah. Emmys. So everyone was gone. And I just like, I was, I was saying this to, uh, our friend Kate McKinnon, who got hired on, on the show in the second half of this, uh, of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, her first day was like a party. Like we had for some, for, we, we had gotten together and watched a bunch of, uh, the digital shorts. Like we were having like right. a, like a sweet 16, you know, or mm-hmm. like March Madness competition for all the digital shorts. Uh-huh. And so we had gotten like, uh, I think like Seth got us, got everybody pizza and we were watching all, and it's like tons of people around. And, uh, it's like, this is like the exact opposite of my first day where I was just like sitting at, like sitting at my right. desk being like, is this, is this right? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Right. Am I supposed to just be right. typing jokes in silence? Is right. that how this works? And that is how it works. Right. You Cause I haven't and... seen your office in action, but yeah, yeah. like I've seen your office and yeah. it's just like, well, there's Pete's desk that's, like, just there's, facing the wall. There's his joke computer. <laughs> yep, and, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we just sit there and and write jokes uh, all all day long. Right. And every now and then I walk down to the uh, to like you know the cast and other writers' offices because right. we're sort of in a separate section just like to break up the day. Sure. Um, but the uh, the just the, the 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 bulk of it is just sitting there just cranking out your right. jokes. And then you get, uh, on Friday, you do a joke read, you do two joke reads with mm-hmm. Seth, and that's the first that he sees your, your jokes and right. he just cold reads them in right. front of you. They've already been like called mm-hmm. together by, uh, Scott and Baze. Mm-hmm. So wait, then, so, so you start, this is the, the week's worth of jokes. So at this point, how, like, how, what's the volume? Uh, we, we write like, th- like three pages a day, uh, which is roughly 30. So I guess it's like, Maybe like 150 jokes to 150 to 170 jokes per person, mm-hmm. something like that. It constantly leaves me wondering why you ever bothered putting a Twitter joke up. Yeah. Whenever I see one, I'm like, that one was funny. What yeah. are you doing? Yeah. Relax. <laughs> well, the, the, uh, that's a, like, Baze is like that too, but he's just like, he, it's, I know. His is fucking, he's like, all of his are gold. A lot of time it's just like, uh, you realize like this isn't going to this wouldn't right. work right. like it's uh, sometimes it comes from the setup that you read and you're like oh we could never really use this right. so we use it but like we tr- we try to not use you know anything that would that would tip it and sometimes i think you know later in the week we'll be like oh this is something that we thought would work in this venue and didn't and maybe it'll maybe we can just tweet it if we're like out of tweets but um yeah it's like it's it is a lot to write to and but you need to write that many because sure. you write so many bad jokes during the week. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that you're aware are bad, but you're like, I gotta fill these these yeah. pages. But that's it's also like sometimes when you're most exhausted at, uh, on Friday. Like some of my jokes that worked the best were like last minute Friday night jokes because I would like fatally rough. 
David Lee Roth was no David Lee Roth was an early in the week of them. That was just like there was no. Can we, can we get the David Lee Roth? Joke well, well I, you gave me the card. It's, yeah, there were two that it was were a guy. That it was it was a guy that had uh, been arrested, um, and his name was like Bow Wow Wow Whatever. Yeah, and it was like at least that's what he said his name was, and it was the picture was of David Lee Roth. Uh, it was a it was yeah. a it was a clear David Lee, yes. Lee Roth punchline. I don't know if it was the best punchline possible, but we like when we when we all saw that setup, I said to to Baze, I'm like I've been trying to think of a David Lee Roth punchline <laughs> right. for this, and he's like, oh, that's great. So that one was my favorite. That there was some I can't remember the other one. It was about. Uh, Fucking romance and like it was something about all relationships ending miserably. Oh, was right. Essentially, the punchline. Right. And I yeah. was kind of. I remember watching because me and my wife Christy had gone to watch it. Uh, you had brought us in, and while we were watching it, I was just like, "Pete joke." Yeah, Pete <laughs> joke. Like I could just kind of tell the ones that worked. Um. So I guess as we bring things right to a close. Uh, so you've been on SNL now for for a season, right? Yeah. And it's the future's looking bright, right? As far as I can tell, but you yeah. never really know. Like yeah. they don't tell you that they're like yeah. they, they're bringing you back or anything. You just have to like. I mean, I've I've gotten to do a couple of things over the summer, like writing jokes for Seth, right. which makes you think, like, oh yeah, maybe you'll sure maybe sure. they'll bring you back. But you don't really, you know, they didn't have him give me an indication that they won't. And right, but that's like How much that's that for legal to to handle. Like they yeah. didn't like. Uh, you initially signed like, signed like a six month contract and then nobody was like, Hey, you're getting right. re-up. They didn't mention anything. I just got a letter that was like, Hey, your contract's been renewed or whatever. Right. So we're not due for that until the middle of July, I think. So, so, so I, just to wrap things up, I mean, you've definitely had a, a, a number of, uh, of, of worst gigs. It sounds right. like in the, in the, yeah, in I, the couldn't, I couldn't tell job. you which is the worst. Of them. <laughs> but, um, what do you think of the word gig? gig? The word gig. Do you have a, uh, I've, as someone who comes from a music background, kind of right. an underground music background. I've, I, I always refer to them as shows. Right. Exactly. Yes. The, uh, yes. exactly. That's, yes. Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> I like how whenever we get a show, we're like, oh, God, oh, God, he's one of us. Yeah. Finally. <laughs> Otherwise. I'm never like, what a gig. Yeah. 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 Got this gig over there at Seacock. <laughs> and what we find is that people that come from a, a, a music background call them shows. Right. And people that come from like a comedy or acting background are totally fine right. with them being gigs. Right. And if they come from a jam band background, they call them concerts. Yes. Or my parent, or if you're my mom, you say concert, no matter what. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're playing. Which to me, like concert is where you go see Jackson <laughs> Brown. <laughs> you're playing at like Smitty's here. Bar. Yeah. You play a P- yeah. the, the concert at PA's yes. Lounge in. Uh, PA, uh, in, in PA's Boston. Lounge or the uh, the Oxfam Cafe at Tufts. That's exactly. Um, so so uh, hopefully there are there are a number more uh, uh, writing seasons in your future. Right. I hope NASA. so. So in that regards, I just want you to get home safe. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt. I'm gonna attempt. <laughs> See ya. See ya. Worst gig ever. <laughs>